We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? Oh, this might be the latest we've ever gotten to rapid fire, but let's roll, baby. Let's go. Oh my goodness. You're right. We said we were going to be here for a while. Hey, all tonight. good, man. But I got nowhere to be. Nana Osafa Mensa is the first guy who declared today. We've had three transfer portal guys declare for Notre Dame. Nana Osafa Mensa was the first. Chris Tyree was the second. Zeke Carell was the third. And we'll get to all of them here again in a second. Because, again, we've got uh, a bigger live crowd who's kind of jumped in since then. Let's start with Nana, since he was the first. Fill in the blank. It's blank that he entered the portal today. Surprising to a degree. Um, I thought Nana had a great opportunity to really cash in on some major playing time next year. Because, obviously, he right now he plays behind Javante Jean-Baptiste. Mm-hmm. and you know he still played very well didn't complain was a great leader did all those things even though they went to the portal and got somebody over him in the depth chart he was a true team guy and i thought he would be ready to step in and be the guy next year maybe they've told him that that's not going to be the case I, I don't know what the situation is so it is a little bit surprising and a little bit disappointing at the same time because i was looking forward to seeing not out on the field you know wreaking some havoc uh this year but I think we all kind of knew the writing on the wall on senior day when, you know, after the game he was crying. Um, and so that felt True. like that was probably going to be it. Um, I just didn't think about it, to be honest with you. And and it just, just stinks. Just stinks. I agree. To me, the initial news of this was a little bit shocking, but at the same time, it's like you do, again, you do have some young talent coming up behind him. You've got guys like, as Tommy Gunn just pointed out, Brennan Vernon. You've got Josh Burnham as well, who is listed as number three on the you know, Burnham was on the depth chart on, on both sides, on both yeah. sides back there. Jean Baptiste had a great season, though. I mean, the best season of his career. And you know, we can save him kind of for another time. But the natural next step would have seemed that Nana was going to rise to the top of the depth chart next yeah. year. Now, again, how much, you know, what was that conversation like between a pending sixth-year guy who did have the most productive season of his career. He had a nice year, made some good plays for him versus some of those young guys coming in. And now it's time to get some of those young guys that you've been recruiting 
on the field, you know, like yeah. how much of that came into it. But I was surprised because of what you, you were talking about. Like, I felt like it was the, the next natural step for him to move into probably, you know, a, a bigger role, most likely a starting role next year. But that's not yeah. going to happen now. Yeah, like I said, so that's disappointing. I like Nana as a player. I liked him as a kid. And so it's disappointing. I, I, honestly, all three announcements today are disappointing. I understand all of them, but they're, they're all disappointing to me. Yeah. Zeke Carell, the Irish center, announced a little bit more than an hour ago as we speak. And Chris Tyree, this afternoon, a couple of hours ago, he announced. And we can talk about both of them. And to me, it's Tyree is the most disappointing. And when you look yes. at some of these transfers over the last few years, they, you know, they've lost mostly guys the last two or three years who were, you know, mid to lower depth chart. Kind sure. of guys who who are getting passed on the depth chart. Excuse me, I had a little sneeze there. Bless you. And who weren't getting, you know, some opportunities. So they moved along. Like Logan Diggs, most prominent guy of the last few years. Yeah. Look at what the running back room did this year. There was talent and that, there. Yeah, and that was more about he wanted to be closer to home right. and all that. And I get, okay, cool. Right. You know? I mean, yeah. the, the biggest disappointment with Chris Tyree mm-hmm. is still this is a guy who's a dynamic playmaker correct they needed to get the ball in the in his hands more and they just didn't he touched the ball 29 total times this season 26 on receptions for over 400 yards and three rushes this year 29 total times that's less than three times per game for a guy who i know you know moved from running back to wide receiver but the whole thing is like he was supposed to be you know, like a multi-positional, like a slash type guy. You can do this with him. You can do that with him. You can do they all just, different kinds of things. They had no imagination with with Chris Tyree, and they just correct. failed to get him the ball. He needed three to four times more targets per games than what he ended up with this season. Yep. And the guy wants to play in the NFL, and I can't blame him for just saying, look, it's time to move on, and I'm going to give myself that chance someplace else. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it from his standpoint. It's just a shame that Notre Dame never used him the way that they should have. Period. End of discussion. And people are saying it's time for new blood and all that. No. It it when you're talking about Chris Tyree, it is not time for new blood. That's the thing about wide receiver. You can get multiple guys on the field and you can work with multiple guys and multiple guys can touch the football. And losing Chris Tyree is losing a playmaker. Period. End of discussion. Period. <clears throat> Thank you, Tommy. I think Tommy is telling me that. We agree on something, which I don't think always happens. But uh, but he agrees on the ten to twelve touches per game for Tyree. Absolutely, that's that's what the tar- it the targets at least needed to be ten to twelve. And then if you're in the ten to twelve target range, you're probably getting seven to ten, you know, balls in, yeah. in his hands yeah. by the time all is said and done. And that's what they needed. He ended up with the most yardage on this team, but Rico Flores Jr. A talented guy himself, but he had one more reception than Chris Tyree had this year as a true freshman. And I just, again, like Chris Tyree, I like Chris or I, I like Rico Flores. I like his future better better than I like his present. It is you know his present is pretty good, but I like his sure. future a lot more. Chris Tyree just should have had the ball in his hands more this yeah. year. And it doesn't take a Bottom great line. quarterback to hand off and to pitch and to do things of that nature to get Chris Tyree the football. That. Yeah. So, yep. <clears throat> then the other one was Zeke Carell, the center. I'll let you start off. 
your thoughts on Zeke Carell entering the portal. Yeah, we kind of talked about it at the top of the show, but I know people have joined us late, and that's awesome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, my thoughts on Zeke Carell are pretty simple, to be honest with you. I, If I was the head coach, and I don't know that this is the way that it went down, but this is the way it would go down for me, is I would bring Zeke in, and I would tell him, Zeke, thank you so much for what you gave to this university. I'm so happy that you're leaving with your degree. You know, you're a multi-year starter for us. You battled your butt off day in and day out. You're a team guy. You did everything we asked of you. Thank you. But it's time to pass the torch. And if you want to use your next year of eligibility someplace else, I encourage you to do it. But your time at Notre Dame is done. And, you know, I'm giving them a huge hug and, you know, and then escorting them out the door. I mean, that that's just how I would operate because we have had the luxury of seeing Ashton Craig do what he's been doing the last two games. And it's been pretty darn good. And you can see the future of this offensive line and how athletic they are, how quick they are, how strong, how big, all of those things. You can see it. You can see it. And not that's not always the case, right? We don't usually get to see these things, but because of the unfortunate you know, news of the concussion and all of those things with Zeke, we've been able to see that for the last two games. And that's the conversation I would have with Zeke. He did everything in his power to do what he needed to do at Notre Dame. And I would thank him for that. But it's it, this in this case, it is time for the new blood. In this case, it's different with every player. It's I not agree. that way with Chris Tyree, but it is that way with, with Zeke. I agree with everything you said. Zeke Carell did a great job in, in his time as Notre Dame's starting center. Uh, I, I do believe, though, like like I said, I really like what we've seen from Ashton Craig in these couple games from a physicality standpoint, from a size yeah. standpoint, to be able to, you know, to kind of hold and also move that center of the line. I really like what we've seen of him as the anchor in there. So it's, you know, nothing but the best for, for all of those guys. And, of course, Zeke Carell included. Coach D's burner asks if Kristoffic is back. Well, we haven't seen an announcement yet. He has eligibility remaining. I don't know. We're all going to find out together. That's that's the thing, folks. Like we all find yep. out together because they all announce on social media. Yeah, so, they let them. They let them make their announcements on their yeah, own. It's so. not like we get a list of guys and that we have to keep secret. Like that's not how this works, you know. And you know, sometimes we have sources in a family or something like that. But for the most part, we all find out when you all find out. So um, we don't know the answer to that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. So a couple of different things from Chris Galloway. And he says, so we're back to blaming the OC. And he was talking about that with when we were having the Chris Tyree conversation, like, like right when we moved mm-hmm. to the Zeke gotcha. conversation. And then he asked, what's the difference between Zeke and Tyree? And, and like, are we blaming the OC? Not necessarily, you know, again, there's a combination Right. A lot of things. Plenty of blame to go around. But if I were in charge of running the offense and I had Chris Tyree versus really young but inexperienced and also talented guys that I had, and I've got a guy like Chris Tyree who has made the investment and a big investment in moving from running back to wide receiver and all the things that he could potentially do. Again, like you don't have to look far. Like look at look at the NFL. Look at other places around college football. If you've got a guy, you know, like everyone wants to say he is him and all that stuff, that is your primary read. And you know, like it's not that hard for Sam Hartman just to take you know to take the snap of the football, make the drop in rhythm, look Tyree, first read. If it's there, you go to him. If it's not, you know, then you go through your progressions. If Chris Tyree was the first read each time, he very easily could have had the targets and touches that we were talking about, because I guarantee there would have been many times that he was open. Oh yeah. You know, that he wasn't getting the football, but that's not how they ran this offense. And as we talked about earlier in the show, there are things that have to be addressed about the way they run this offense. There's no doubt about that. And in terms of the difference between Tyree and Carell, I mean, to me, Tyree has a much higher upside in terms of the NFL. Zeke Carell is a good college center, but it's going to be much more difficult for him to turn that into a professional career than it will be for Chris Tyree because Chris Tyree has speed. Chris Tyree has skill. Look at the health. I mean, he has stayed relative, you know, healthy for the better part of his career. He doesn't have injury history. So, there's a lot more upside, I think, for Chris Tyree than Zeke. That, to me, is the biggest yep. difference. Absolutely. I mean, it, Chris Tyree still could be a playmaker for Notre Dame. There, there's no doubt in my mind. He he, he just could. And so I, that's the difference. Like, Zeke Carell, he played his career at Notre Dame. It's over. It's time to move on because we see what is behind him and how good it was. I'm sorry. Chris Tyree is still one of, if not your best, slot receiver. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it, okay? You're telling me that Chris Tyree couldn't have run the over route that Great House ran, you know, uh, on Saturday in Saturday's game? Come on now. Like that, he wasn't utilized properly, period. He's a playmaker. You're losing a playmaker. 
that's that's the difference to me. Right. USMA 87 says, love Tyree. How many passes slash targets did he drop? Not enough to make up the difference between yeah. the targets <laughs> that he had and the targets we were talking about in the 10 no. to 12 range. You know, you could probably count on one and a half hands the drops that he had all I'd year. Say it's, one. It's one not hand. that it's not, it's not, I, yeah. I was gonna say it's not one per game. Yeah. And even if it even if it was one per game, that's only one more touch per game. So and look, NFL receivers drop balls all the time. AJ yeah. Brown, Justin Jefferson, two of the best receivers in the game, all of them. Des Bryant, like Des is obviously retired now, but I'm just you know, CD, right. whoever, name your receiver. They drop balls all the time. You know, yeah. so you can't can't fall back on that. You know, that's that's that to me isn't isn't reason enough. No, not even close. Okay. So Andre Castame finished 24 yards short of the Notre Dame single game rushing record of 262 yards against Stanford Saturday night. It was set by Julius Jones 20 years ago. Estime, of course, didn't play in the fourth quarter, and Freeman was asked afterwards if he knew how close Estime was to the record when uh, they took him out of the game. No, I didn't know that. Um, if he came up to me and said, Coach, can you leave me in because I'm 24 yards away, it would have been a decision I had to make. Um, but – there's two things, right? I want to do what's best for Notre Dame, but also what's best for Roger too, you know. And and but I did not know that. I knew uh, he was getting close to the single season TD record. Yes, I think they set that. Um, I don't know how many rushed for 200 plus. 238. It's a lot of yards. You know, I don't know what record he was chasing, but that is a heck of a performance. So, what do you think, Vince? I think there's no reason that a head coach should ever know what a record is during a game. <laughs> it's not his job. That is not his job, man. True. So I have no problem with him not knowing what the rushing record was uh, because you had no idea that Audric Estime was just going to go beast mode on these guys and just run over them and have almost 200 yards at halftime. Like, there's, just, there's no way he could have known that going in. Now, he knew the touchdown record going in because – you can surmise that he had an opportunity to get three to four touchdowns. Like, I think that's a, a logical, you know, uh, record to have in your head because somebody probably mentioned it to him going into the game. So I, that, that I, I get, but there is no chance that he knew. And he was honest about it. He had, he had no idea what the single season or single game rushing record was. So, and nobody in the press box knew it either, unless they looked it up. And it's not like Marcus Freeman is Googling, the rushing well, record during the game. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But there are plenty of times during the game where Audric or during the season where Estime has been approaching a hundred yards. That's and they've different. Left him, but well, but let me finish. All let right. me finish. <clears throat> finish. Okay. Does the head should the head coach know it off the top of his head? No. But they have a full-time SID who stands on the sideline whose job I don't know what it is other than standing on the sideline. And if you're the SID and like somebody's telling him that he's, that, that estimate is getting close to hundred yards, just like someone can tell him that he's getting close to, you know, the single game rushing record. I get it. There's an SID down there on the field. If that SID has a job, that's part of it. You want my honest opinion? 
Sure. As the, as the head coach at Notre Dame or head coach anywhere, the SID comes anywhere near me during a game, I'm punching him in the throat. I don't want that person well, anywhere near me during a game. I see that person in the background behind. Oh, Marcus I see him in the background all the time, all the time but they're I don't pretty see close. It. They're I don't pretty see close. her talking to him. I've never seen her talk. But they to can him. go through another coach, and that's possible. Someone's I just... telling him, Vince. Someone's telling them that Mark that like Audrey Castame is getting close to hundred yards. Like that's not just something that that they pull out of their hat. Someone's letting them know. Well, that's also that like all over the stadium too. Like they they roll state they'd roll stats on the stadium scroller all the time. Like that's I don't know that one's a little bit different to me. Like an in game like total in a in a game like that's a little bit different. A hundred yards. I also have a problem with them trying to get him a hundred yards when he should be out of the game. So I do have a problem. That's with that a fair as well. point too. And I felt like there were times he yeah. should have been out. And of we've the talked game earlier, about that. but they've left him in there. Yeah, and, and that's and exactly we, right. Yeah, we've we've talked about that, and I, so that's not like a new take. Like we've talked about the fact they've left him in the game far too right. long in the past. So right. at the very least, <clears throat> that SID I'm talking about could talk yeah. to the running back coach and the running back coach sure. can let that information and be known. I gotta, I gotta tell you, if the way that game was going, okay, the way that game was going, if they came up to me at the end of the third quarter and said, Hey, he's 25 yards away from the all-time rushing record in a game, I'd have been like, I don't care. We've got all of our number twos in. I'm not leaving Audric Estime in the game. I'm not doing it. That that would have been my response. I'm like, I, okay, awesome. I don't care. But Notre Dame has proven that they do care about records like that. So I don't know what he would have said if somebody mentioned that to him. Right. I would have said, I don't care. Right. That doesn't matter to me. And, you know, ultimately, does it matter that much? No. You know, it's, it's just a record. But the bottom line is, Andre Gastame is an awesome freaking running back. And yeah. I said last week that, you know, this whole, and you know, everybody knew it. This whole dope thing was going to be, was going to be an issue. Right. And look what he does. He has the best oh, yeah. game of his career. The week he's snubbed by the Doke Walker I mean, award. And he's got the single season touchdown record. And he is fifth all time in Notre Dame history in terms yeah. of single season rushing. And, you know, We'd be having a way different conversation if they they put him back in the game behind the number two offensive line to get 25 yards and he blows out his knee. Like, right. the, the number twos were already in the game. Like, that that was done, you know? Personally, you know, this is another conversation, but personally, in the instance where Jabron Payne was ruled to have fumbled and then they changed it correctly on the instant replay, look, I get right. Payne has been short yardage guy and all this different stuff. But with the game that Andrick Estime is having, I don't want any, I don't care what your, who your short yardage back is. I want Andrick Estime in the game. If I'm sniffing the end zone. Well, he was point. their two minute back. Like, so he was in there because it was the, like the two minute drill. Again, I get all that stuff, but you've got Maybe. time when you're down there by the goal line to get Estime right. in. If fair you enough. Want to get him in. That was fair. Fair enough. I just don't know that he was physically ready to go back in the game. Like he asked to come out of the game multiple times on Saturday. Cause he was freaking, he was gassed ripping off run after run. Right. It's like he's at hundred percent yards of carry. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there was a reason he was gabbed. Everybody was like, how come he's not in every single play? Because he's asking to come out of the game. People are like, three yards. No, all you're asking for is three yards right yeah. before halftime though. I think he, I think he can okay. manage that. Fair enough. But he'd still would have been 22 short. <laughs> right. And I, again, we're talking about two different things. I'm right. saying you're right. You're right. I would rather have seen him just in that short yardage, score another touchdown, you know, than maybe necessarily 
going for the record. I'm like, again, I don't have a huge issue, but I'm just saying. Eh, It's fun to argue about, though. Yeah. So a post from X Twitter that I saw this weekend said they hated the play calling after the Angeli interception and that they needed to see him operate the offense. And then, you know, he also, this person also mentioned what we were just talking about, the single um, single season rushing record, but the Angeli play calling specifically. They went from interception to last year's plan of handoff man for Steve Angeli after the interception. So do you buy or sell what this is saying? Did you Should, should they have let him still run the offense? I sell it, and here's why. Number one, went out. They tried to throw the ball, and he threw the one of the worst interceptions of the year. Like this is a terrible throw, terrible read, terrible throw. And at that point, it's like, no, we're just going to hand off at this point. Let's get out of here. Like, there's no point anymore. Like, I I have no problem with it because what do you not know about Steve Angeli at this point that playing against the twos of uh, of a horrible Stanford, defense of a horrible Stanford team, you're playing against their twos. What is that going to show you that you don't already know about Steve Angeli? He's been extremely consistent every other time he's been in the game and they've run the offense and he's taken them down the field, thrown nice touchdowns, like all that. You've got that game film. You see him in practice every day. Like what do you need to see as a coaching staff? I don't care about the fans, what they need to see. That doesn't matter to me. What do you need to see as a coaching staff that you haven't already seen from Steve Angeli in a mop-up role? Yeah. I, I I have no problem with it. None. You've seen him. You've seen him run the offense yeah. against, as you said, you know some twos out there and with the twos and like they weren't going to get any more from seeing him out there running the offense right. against Stanford. They had already turned the ball over four times to that point and almost a fifth, like we just right. talked about. Like an Angeli's interception was the fourth. You know, I, I it was noted. I'll say that. You know, I logged it. Oh, we're going back to handoff. Oh, know, yeah, again. for going sure. Going back to handoff. But I get it. Like, just get out of there. Run the clock. End the game. Look what the scoreboard said. Right. There was no need to to be flinging more balls downfield or, you know, screens or, you know, outs or, you know, wheel plays or whatever they happen to be. Just just hand the ball off, let the clock run, and yep. get out of there. That's That's yeah. all that really mattered at that point. Yep. Brian and I had a nice uh, argument about whether they should have had Kenny Minchie in there running the offense at the and end. And that's what like, Tyler actually just brought yeah, up. And I get so it. which side did you which side did you lay on? on I this? was on the side that the backup quarterback is in, not the third string quarterback. And they you know, there's no point. I don't I don't I don't personally see the point. Brian argued that you want to see it's all about development and you want to develop these guys and you want to give him an opportunity to run the offense and all of those different things. I don't know. I just don't see I as a coach, am I really going to bypass my second string guy to go to my third string See, guy? That's like the that's the thing, because then now you create right. you already bring. You've already said you're bringing in a portal quarterback in the off season, right. and do you really want to start that now? Yeah, where like I'm gonna okay, you threw an interception, so now I'm gonna throw the number three guy out right. there. I think then yeah. that becomes an even bigger issue, not just getting out of that game, but locker room and and the whole thing now. So yeah, I've got, I, I've got no, I mean, the, the case for playing Menchie, I get to a point because he hasn't had the opportunity to do that. But I feel like if you were going to do that, maybe you had the conversation 
with Steve Angeli before the game and just say, look, if it gets to this point, we're going to put in Minchie because sure. we really haven't got a chance to see him do anything so far. Yeah, this right. Year. So we're going to give him the opportunity. This is going to be, you know, like his fourth quarter or whatever, right. you know, that that kind of thing. Maybe and, you have that. But, you know, you, you, you have Steve in the very first play. He throws an interception. What message are you sending if the next series you put in Minchie? Right. Exactly. That, I, I don't like That's that. That's what I'm saying. Either. It's like, yeah. then it's a negative message. Right. I don't like, like that message at all. You screwed up, you know, right. the whole thing. Right. So, yep. So here's Javante John Baptiste, the big man, talking about the stiff <laughs> arm that he had on the 60 yard block field goal return for a touchdown against the Cardinal. No, but I used to play a little running back. So I know that, like, when I get the, when I get the ball in my hands, what to do with it if I get the opportunity. So it's fun. I'm just imagining Javante John Baptiste oh, is like a like an 11 year old running back, and he's like <laughs> like a guy that we used to know, Shaq Van, who played at uh, Eastern Michigan, played here in town for you, and and with Jesse at Adams High School. Like I remember when Jesse was playing, they weren't on the same team. But here was this running back on the other team who was like a head and a half taller than everybody. It was like all these little guys out there and this big head just like yeah. running through it. That's what I imagine like hearing John Javante John Baptiste saying that he grew up playing a little bit of running back. But how do you rate that return that he had on a scale of one to ten? Oh, it was a great return. I think I was more impressed with the tight roping of the sideline than I was with the stiff arm. I mean, he's stiff from the punter. That's like, that that tightrope on the that was, line was nuts, man. That was athletic as all get out, that part. Like, he stiff-armed the punter. Like, that's not a huge deal to me. You outweigh the punter probably by 100 pounds, so that stiff arm wasn't really all that impressive. It was the tightroping of the sideline that was super impressive to me. That, that yeah. was awesome. That was I was awesome. shocked that he stayed in bounds. I thought yeah. for sure he was going out of bounds, <clears throat> you know, it, when he was trying to, you know, walk that tightrope and – and stay in. Oh, and it's impressive. Yeah. I rated a 10, man. For a yeah. big man like that, I forgot to I move to like that. It. Yeah. 10, yeah. 10, 10. 10 out of 10 for me. Absolutely. As Jesse would say, 10 being the absolute best, one being the lowest, because Jesse always explains the scale of one to 10 to everybody when he's on the show. <laughs> 10 is the best. That was the best. Javante John Baptiste's field goal block was awesome. That was fun to see. No, it, that was, that was all. And I, and I said this in the post game show, like nobody deserved it more than him because of I, I just of all the players that are out of eligibility, man, did I want him to I to have more? Like of all the guys, like I he exceeded all of my expectations coming into Notre Dame. I mean, absolutely exceeded them all. I thought he was going to be a depth piece, you know, that kind of a thing. Uh-huh. Nope, he was a dude, and he just got rewarded by that with that touchdown run. That was awesome. Yeah. By the way, did I say Eastern Michigan or Eastern Washington earlier? Well, you said Eastern Michigan, Michigan, but now he's coaching at Washington. Now he's he's actually on the staff at the University of Washington. Our own Shaq Van from here in South Bend. So that's awesome awesome. too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so great return by Baptiste. And by the way, we might only be halfway through rapid fire right now i you know i said coming into this show we got a lot to talk about today we're still going for a while this is officially going to end up being i think the longest ivy nation sports talk we've ever done so welcome to everyone who might be just jumping in the live right now and glad to have you aboard we've been going at it for a while yeah there's a lot of stuff coming out of this weekend that i feel all needs to be addressed 
on today's show. And it's like, I started this morning putting together like stuff from Stanford. And then, like I said, by the time Marcus Freeman zoom came around and then with everything that happened after that, with a transfer portal afterwards, it just exploded. And we've got just, you're busy. You're a busy little beaver, man. (laughs) That's right. So Notre Dame got the legends trophy back. Yes, they did. After beating Stanford. Did you know what the legends trophy looked like before the game? Not a chance. I couldn't tell you what any of the trophies look like except for the jeweled shillelagh between Notre Dame and USC. I know that all eight rivalry trophies all look different and they're all unique. I don't know what any of them look like except for the one between USC and Notre Dame. I certainly didn't know it was just a giant bowl like that, like weak. We, I think I saw, I think I saw Freeman drinking Gatorade out of it. Yes. They poured blue Gatorade into it. Yeah. It was, I don't know. That was, I had no idea. I was for some reason imagining, you know, like, I don't know, you know, maybe, I guess maybe not another shillelagh, but I was imagining some kind of, you know, like big stick kind of thing, you know, maybe like a (laughs) sledgehammer looking thing. I was not expecting, you know, kind of a crystal bowl looking thing. I had never seen it. And again, like they drank some Gatorade out of it. It's like, okay. All right, all and done. I get like kind of like the uh, Stanley Cup, I guess. You can kind of do anything you want with it. Uh huh. I don't know. Freeman couldn't chug at all. Well, <laughs> is is what D Rock Irish says. Um. So again, we'll touch <laughs> on the transfer portals because we've got more people kind of jumping in late. Who was the third portal defection besides Tyree and Nana? Zeke Correll also entered the portal today. Three different players. Yep. Chris Tyree, Nana Osafa Mensa, and Zeke Correll. Somebody entered the portal. Somebody asked a, an interesting question, and I don't know that you started or not. Nope, you didn't. So I want to ask you. <clears throat> okay. If you're Coach Freeman, do you put a deadline on when you need to know as a Notre Dame staff whether guys are going to declare, whether they're going to opt out, whether they're going to transfer, like all like I need to know by X. What do you think? I mean, that soundbite that we had of him, he said that they're going to be having the conversations this week and then they're hitting the road this weekend. I would think that they would want to know relatively quickly yeah. because they're they're also going to start bowl practice this yep. week. Yep. And you remember last year, a lot of young guys got reps in bowl practice and we ended up seeing a lot of young guys in the bowl. And that is kind of the other side of this as well for whatever defections you get in the portal. That means that some of these young guys that people have been clamoring for are going to get some opportunity. So I would think that I would want to know sooner or later if I'm Marcus Freeman. Yeah. You know, I don't necessarily, I don't know if I want a complete deadline on it, but I would, I would definitely want to know sooner than later so that we can start making practice plans on who's going to get reps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think it's it's uh, transfer portal decisions are the most important. Like those are the ones that you really need to know because the guys that are going to declare for the NFL, I think we kind of know who has that decision to make, right? It's Cam Hart, it's Joe Alt, it's Audric Estime, uh, Blake Fisher. I would say those are the four main guys that you need to know whether they're going to declare or not. Um, those decisions can go a little bit because they're not going to transfer, Right. So those can, those decisions can maybe wait a little bit. I know you got to, sometimes you got to get back, you know, draft analysis and all that, like, you know, those kinds of things. But if you're going to transfer, I need to know that this week, like that, 
I, I need to know if you're in or you're out. I, I, I don't want to go. And look, the portal the opens practices. a week from today anyway. So right. I think everyone wants to get in as soon as possible because it 100%. gives them the best opportunity <clears throat> to to find a new home. Right. So yep. Absolutely. I that's I need to know that sooner than later. The draft stuff I'm not as worried about. A couple of other things that I do have in here. Chris Galloway says Tyree is not a pro receiver. Love his game, but it won't translate to the NFL. Well, I disagree with that. Like I would I would like I would wager you I would I'll put five hundred dollars down that Chris Tyree will be on an NFL roster in five years. I'm not saying he's going to be a star in the NFL, sure, sure. but the guy can play special teams with the speed that he has, especially as a a kick returner. You know he's got to work on the you know the hands and sort of the vision a little bit more as a punt returner. We we obviously saw that come into play a couple of times this season and just kind of making that judgment, especially when there's traffic around him and stuff like that. But Chris Tyree is going to be on an NFL roster in five years. I guarantee it. I'd put money on it. If there was money to be put on it someplace, I would put on it. So Chris, I mean, if you want to put your money where your mouth is, 500 (laughs) big ones, I'll lay it down right now. And we'll talk in five years. Hey, look, Desmond Howard had a 10 year NFL career primarily as a return guy. Okay, he had 123 career receptions, 40 of which came in one season. Yep. If Desmond Howard can make a 10-year career out of the NFL being a return guy, guess what? So can Chris Tyree. Chris says he doesn't bet on football, but I bet your favorite team's ball cap. Okay, I'll bet you a hat. And we're talking five years down the line, so somebody so. better keep track of this. And, you know, so five years, like we're not like hitting each other for up for a half, and we're going, "Oh, what are you talking about?" But yeah, all right, I'll bet you a hat. I like it. Mark that down. Five years, Chris Tyree. I like it. I'm just gonna go. I've got five years to pick out a new hat, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Coach D's burner says playing in the bowl game does not affect registered eligibility. Correct. That is correct. You can play four games in the regular season plus a fifth game in the bowl and still keep your eligibility. Correct. So Uh, as long as you haven't already gone over. Christopher's a Cowboys fan, by the way. So nice. Nice. You can just go in the closet and send him. Well, Chris, then, I mean, you know, we might just have to, Exchange Christmas cards. I say, this might be now. <laughs> this might be win win. You can buy each other a Cowboys hat. That's right. That's right. I like it. I like it. Um, all right. So where was I? I don't know. So after Michigan got the interception at the end of their game to seal the win over Ohio State, there were a lot of Notre Dame fans piling on, comparing the interception that DJ Brown didn't make at the end of Ohio State's final touchdown drive to the one that Michigan did make. Fair or foul? If it was like a scale of one to 10, it'd be like a six and a half, seven, um, you know, fair, I guess. Um, because yes, did they make the interception and Notre Dame didn't? Yes, that that's actually true. And you can boil it down to that and that's fine. But the Michigan interception was a thousand times easier yes, than the Notre Dame interception. That was going to be my biggest point. I would like yeah. to see so many of these armchair yahoos. Yeah. And if, and if you're one of them out there, that just you're an armchair yahoo. If you're all over DJ Braun about this. Right. Like, it's easy. Like, put on a pair of shoulder pads. 
and a tight jersey and a helmet and then go try to make that play that right. DJ Brown had to make right. when he's going up like this. One, it is not easy just to lift your arms when you've got the jersey and the shoulder pads on like that. And two, the still shot or, you know, the ball is going through DJ Brown's fingertips makes it look a hell of a lot easier than if you actually watch the video, the right. replay of that play. Because the way he had to move just to get there and then make the jump and try to time it and get it in. Everyone wishes he would have brought it in. If he had, we're having a lot different conversation right now. But you're absolutely right. The Michigan play was a heck of a lot easier oh my than gosh. the one that DJ It went Brown right into his made. midsection. Yes. He didn't even have to use his hands. So, I, yeah, that's a complete – it's a completely different – Type going, going, going down for a ball like that. Right. Like I played outfield, you know, like in high school and it's, it's a little bit different, obviously, but, but coming in and toward the ball like that in down and toward the ball to me is a heck of a lot easier than trying to go up for a ball. like. Oh, that. absolutely. hundred percent. Try lifting your hands over your head with exactly pads on. Like it ain't it, easy. It ain't easy, man. No. I'm just saying. Not at all. Especially when you're wearing, you know, well, never mind. But it is, <laughs> it is very it's a completely different skill set on the interception. Was it an interception play that we're talking about? That's the only similarity that there is. The type of interception is completely different. Yeah. I mean, Irish AJ says X makes that play 10 out of 10 times. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. I but yeah, he wasn't yeah, the one the who was in position to make the play. Unfortunately, so, you know, we're talking yeah. about Watts as an All-American probably versus yeah. DJ Brown, who, you know, look, you know, the, the other side of this whole thing. And, and again, you know, like talking about guys coming back and transfer portals and all this different kind of stuff. I mean, look at where that safety position was coming into the season and all the question marks that we had with it. Like, could DJ Brown have played better this year? Of course. But there are a lot of other guys who could have played better this year as well. And I don't know where they would be without DJ Brown, again, considering the lack of depth that they had there coming into the year. Yeah. Yep. Completely I'm agree. just being fair to him. I'm not saying that he was, you know, great and everything else. I'm being fair to him and, and what he brought the team because they needed AJ Brown. They obviously, everyone wishes he would have made that play, especially A.J. Brown wishes he would have made that play. And that's what I guarantee oh, you. There's no one in the world who wishes it. I think I said A.J. D.J. Brown was thinking wide receiver, not safety. There's no one in the world who wishes they would have made that play like D.J. Brown. I guarantee yep. you that. No doubt about that. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The regular season is over, but that doesn't mean shopping for tickets has come to an end. Notre Dame still has a big bowl game coming up. It's also holiday season, which means plenty of amazing concerts and shows, and you'll need tickets especially if you're a last-minute shopper like me. And if you are in need of tickets, Game Time is the place to go. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, 
Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Should Ryan Day be on the hot seat after a third straight loss to Michigan? 100% no. As much as a, a D bag as I think that he is, he should not be on the hot seat <laughs> for losing to Michigan three years in a row. Now, look, that's their biggest rival. You got to win that game. I get it, but you, you can't get fired. Like, I'm sorry. He still has an amazing overall win loss record. You know, I, you, you can't fire him for that. I, I just, that that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. This is an interesting one. I generally agree with what you're saying because he is, he is one in three against <laughs> Michigan. He is yep. 40 and zero versus the rest of the big 10, which is just insane. Yes. You know, and the big thing is, Next year, you know, he might still get into the playoff this year, depending on what happens during conference championship weekend this week. They're probably going to end up maybe being just outside, especially considering I think they probably will be outside. Got it. It. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but, yeah. but again, we'll wait and see. A couple teams lose, and you never know. But at the same time, like John Cooper only beat Michigan twice in 13 years when he was at Ohio State, and he lost like five of the last six times. They yeah. played, and then they moved on to John Trestle, and that was the knock on Cooper. Good coach, won a lot of games, but he lost to Michigan all the time, and that was one of the nails in his coffin. Now, it's going to be different when this playoff expands to 12 yes. next year because they're Big going – like, if all they're doing is losing to Michigan, they're going to get in every Every year. time. Yeah. Every time. And they'll probably advance to a right. certain degree. You know what I mean? So Right. Yeah, you might end up seeing three Ohio State-Michigan games in a year. <laughs> you know, well, you might that's... see regular season, Big Ten championship, yeah. and the playoff. Yeah, he's going to have plenty more opportunities. That, that's for sure. So, yeah, and Christopher Calloway says it sounds like Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly didn't get fired from Notre Dame, though. So, no. you know, I, I just – if this becomes a chronic problem over a decade, like it did but with – But Brian Cooper, Kelly also beat his rival. He beat USC – Pretty regularly. That is very true. He he definitely benefited from not having to play them when they were good. But he still beat them. He still beat them. I'm, right. I'm not taking that away from him. Still beat them. Had had a lot of trouble with Stanford early on. But you know, be that as it may. Um. So yeah, he doesn't get fired now. Again, like I said, if this turns into a decade long problem, that's a different conversation. Right. But it's not going to be because of exactly what you said in the expanded playoff. Yep. So yeah, yep. and. Who's to say Michigan's going to continue to be good? Like, they're probably going to lose their entire coaching staff in a month. So, good luck. Yeah, true, too. So, after ESPN's Pete Thamel got threats from Michigan fans for his reporting of the sign-stealing scandal, 
He did his live shots during college game day this weekend from inside Michigan Stadium rather than being surrounded by fans outside the stadium. And it prompted Michigan shill Desmond Howard to say this, quote, what the hell is Pete in the stadium for? Put your big boy pants on and do it in the crowd like you have been, end quote. Reese Davis said he got from the lunatic fringe some threats. So what do you think of, of Desmond calling out Pete Thamel like that? You know, Desmond's got a big mouth considering he's standing there surrounded by Michigan fans and he's like a god to Michigan Michigan right. fans. So, yeah, big that's like that's like picking a fight with somebody with all your boys behind you. Right. You know, like, you know, hold me back. Hold me back. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, come it's like on, beer dude, muscles, shut your mouth. you know, it's like it exactly. makes you brave. It's like, "Oh, yeah, man." Got a couple th- by the way, I love the boycott, by the way. Love the boycott that Michigan fans threatened but didn't go through with. Seriously. But they were all there. They were all cheer there to cheer on Desmond. Yeah, it just it's embarrassing, is what it is. Desmond is such a partisan. I'll say it as nicely as possible. He is such a partisan human being when it comes to any kind of analysis that he does that involves Michigan, and just needs to shut up. He just needs to shut up. He's not a professional, and to call out a colleague like that live on the air that that's a whole other level of low class to me. That's the thing, like. Desmond Howard was a professional athlete and he's in his home environment. Not the same for Pete Thamel. Pete Thamel is like, he does not (laughs) look like, and I'm, this is not a shot at Pete Thamel, but he doesn't look like an overly athletic guy. Like, you know, it's like, why would you like, if you're Pete Thamel and you're getting these threats, why would you put yourself in that situation? And I understand ESPN for not wanting to put him in that situation. And I just thought it was a very, for a guy who is a professional athlete, and who is supposed to be now a professional broadcaster. Desmond has done game day for a long time now to one, yeah. call out your colleague and two, yeah. doing it on national TV like that is just low rent, man. It's just very low rent. Desmond Howard should be better than that. And that, that was, should that be, was, it was just uncalled for. It was just, and, uncalled I, for. and I have no problem with Pete Thamel doing what he did because you're telling me that, okay, first of all, they're going to send threats to me. And whether those are founded or unfounded doesn't matter because you're asking me to stand in a crowd of a bunch of liquored up fools. And who knows? It only takes one moron. It only takes one moron to do something. And yeah, I'm going to the stadium, man. I'm not going to yeah. sit out here with these idiots. Because no way. how much security can you put around him to protect him at that point? Right. And you're talking about, you know, a couple thousand, however many fans out there. Like you said, it takes one guy and you can't catch, you can't see all of them. Like, yeah. Exactly. So there is no chance that I would have been standing in the middle of that crowd. No chance. So, yeah, and it, something, I mean, it's ESPN, so they're probably not going to do anything, but something should be done to Desmond. Fine him, you know, suspend him. They should do something because you don't call out a colleague like that. And it wasn't even like a colleague on another network. Right. It's the guy that you literally work with every week. Like, it's, it's that's messed up. I agree. I completely agree. I completely <clears throat> You know, I'm like, what's that relationship now? After he calls him out on national TV like that. Right. And at least the other guys, like Reese Davis was like, well, look, Desmond, yeah. come on. Like, like have a little bit of sense here. Yeah, all of them, they were like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I know, like, they were like, oh, dude. 
Are you, is that really coming out of your mouth right now? Like, because... <laughs> I expect stupid stuff, you know, to come out of a certain guy's mouth on that bench. <laughs> Not necessarily. Well, I guess I do expect it from him. But like, dude, that's just low. That was just a low, low ball comment. Our final topic of the night. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Mike Elko is Texas A&M's new head coach. It's It sucks because that's where Notre Dame goes for game one of next year. And that's where they're coming up here in game two, game one, I think, or at least the following year, right? That sucks, man. I was really hoping that it was going to be like Stoops or somebody like that, that I feel really good about. <laughs> I really like Mike Elko as a head coach and as a program builder. And it may not happen, you know, as quickly as game one next year, right? He's, he's walking into a, an S storm as they say, but Give him a year, give him a couple years. Like, I think he could turn this group around. I, I really do think that. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. So I, I don't like it at all. I, I'm glad they're getting this AM series out of the way. But uh, I, I think he's going to be dangerous down there. I really, I was very happy when it was Stoops that was going to get the job. I think in the long run, he probably will be. I, I think, like, for the short term, season opener, new head coach. I would still rather take my chances with sure. that going into the season than even, you know, midway through the season. It'll be different though. You know, they should be definitely better by the time they come yeah. up here to, to make the return trip. So, yes, I mean, he's obviously a good head coach and we saw that with, with lesser talent at Duke, you know, even though, you know, he had a really good quarterback at Duke, obviously, you know, there wasn't a whole lot, else around him uh, offensively but that's going to change there's some talent down there uh, assuming they stay you know because that's yeah that's yeah. going to be a big question as well what happens to texas a&m with the transfer portal because you know it's obviously blowing up here on day one for a lot of people there's all kinds of tweets and reports and everything else going out about transfer portals i did have to laugh though right before we came on there was a video of the introductory press conference and it's like Elko and these administrators and all these people, you know, like they're arm in arm and they're singing whatever <laughs> the AM fight song is. And it Dude. looks a little bit odd. It looks a little bit odd. Oh, but hey, man, they're all in. And I did see that, you know, he's he's got his contract incentivized. It is all. Did you see it? Did you read out. it? Yeah, there's a he got, there's a lot of money to be had. There my is friends. There and, is in any incentive that he hits. They add a year to his contract, yeah. which I thought was very interesting. The postseason yeah. ones. And I mean, they obviously have a good feel for him because of the time that he spent there at AM as defensive coordinator before he went to Duke. So, I mean, good for him, but he is jumping into the SEC as well. Oh, yeah. We'll see if we'll sure. see if he can do it. But like for all the resources, all the money and everything else that AM has, it has been proven over a long period of time that it is still really tough to win down there sure. in Aggie Land. So you see that buyout out there. six and a half million. <laughs> a lot lower than this one, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we didn't make three. We made two hours, though. We made two. And that's yep. definitely a record for IB Nation Sports Talk. So you're welcome, people. You're that's welcome. Right. Glad to have you here with us today. Got more shows, of course, coming up during the week. I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. We're going to Tennessee for Notre Dame women's basketball. ACC, SEC Challenge on Wednesday. We're right. traveling tomorrow night. Uh, I think, was it you and Jesse on Wednesday? I have Does that no sound right? idea. I'm going to have to All look. Right. 
Yeah. Uh, have to look at the schedule. I believe it's you yeah. and I on Thursday. There'll be more shows. There'll be more talking. Of course, Brian, Ryan, and everybody else will have other shows going on. Chris Galloway, five years from now, 2028. <laughs> I am eyeballing a couple of uh, a couple of new hats. So, yeah. Just saying. That's right. By the way, Hannah Hidalgo, another yeah. uh, Rookie of the Week on for her today. Yep, and men's soccer makes it to the Elite Eight, and they're going to host yep. IU for a chance to go to the Final Four. IU's a darn good uh, soccer team, so it yep. should, uh, should be a lot of fun, probably in the snow. All right, hit that like button on your way out if you haven't already. We appreciate you being here today, and of course, subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platforms, and we will talk to you later on IB Nation Sports Talk.